Good evening, everybody. This is Rich Duncan with Hank Heist, and tonight I'm joined by my co-hosts, Laurel Hightower and Shane Douglas Keene. Um, he's going to hopefully jump on here in a few minutes. And uh, today we're talking with Tim Meyer and Chad Lutsky um, about their recently released collaboration novel, Wormwood. So, Chad and Tim, um, we're happy to have you guys back on the show. Um, I'm pretty sure our listeners are familiar with uh, both of you guys. Um, so I think we should just kick things off with maybe, you know, how you guys decided to collaborate together with Wormwood. Well, thanks for having us, you guys. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a pleasure to be back. We're glad to have you. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks. <laughs> Um, Chad, do you want to, you want to take this one? You want to start us off? Okay. <laughs> um, you guys can hear me, right? Cause I, I was muted and then I, unmuted. oh yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't remember what, I think it was the end of 2019. Tim asked me, uh, actually he, he said, Hey, I think I'm going to write a book about, I got inspired to do, to, to, I got this idea from listening to you on this is horror talk about um your childhood because uh, uh michael david wilson out of nowhere asked me he said something like uh so when you were 12 you were on probation and i was like what how did you even know that <laughs> <laughs> so that was that was really bizarre and i i just talked about uh kind of the troublemaking kid that i was when i was young and, and some of the stuff that I, that I did and tim had kind of an idea um I guess. And he, and he just told me, I was like, yeah, cool. Go for it. And then some time went by and he's like, actually, do you want to write this with me? And I said, um, yeah, maybe let's, let's, you know, let's see what we've got. And so we started kind of brainstorming and, and, uh, it turned into something, uh, completely different. Uh, I think initially it was some kind of like, uh, a kid cult massacre, um, where these kids just raped and pillaged, well, not raped, but pillaged, uh, you know, this this town or whatever, and uh, we we changed it significantly um, from from the beginning of that. But uh, I mean, that's that's pretty much how it started, I think. Yeah, yeah, that sounds uh, pretty accurate. Yeah, it was a completely different idea. I I mean, if you're familiar with my stuff, you know, I kind of tend to go for like the supernatural um elements and you know mm-hmm. chad's stuff is is typically not supernatural um he writes very real life scenarios so um it was important to him that he that we kept it kind of real and did away with all the supernatural stuff which was cool because i think in the end what we came out with was a lot better than what i originally envisioned <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I think, yeah, I think that was, I'm, I'm trying to even picture how it would look. Of course, I mean, of course I've, you know, read the finished product, so I'm not sure where all that would weave in, but I think, I think that you all went mm-hmm. a good direction with it. Um, I do, did you, I gotta know, did you ever found, find out how Michael David Wilson knew about that? Because I have concerns. <laughs> like, <laughs> He's a stalker like, now. <laughs> uh, uh, no, I, I don't know that. I'm assuming that maybe I mentioned it somewhere, but I don't really remember doing that. Um, I mean, it's it's not something I'm embarrassed of. I was 12. And, and I mean, this lasted for a while, me being uh, an idiot. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm a few older 
years older than 12 now. But um, no, I don't. I don't. I just thought it was funny that uh, and he, he's such a good interviewer, you know, so I was like, that's pretty awesome that you did your research. However you did it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think like ten dollars can buy you a background check on some website, so probably. <laughs> <laughs> it's supposed to be off my record. So. <laughs> no, it was it was just uh, the summer that I started. Uh, I, I started hanging out with a um, uh, my best friend's older brother was started hanging out with us, and I was twelve, and uh, we started drinking. Because he would get beer from uh, like this malt liquor from uh, his dad would buy it for him. And so we'd all have these 40s and we'd go out in the woods and they started smoking a little bit um, pot. And then we just started like getting and doing stupid stuff like um, vandalizing and breaking into a house and stealing some hippies weed and music. And then we tried breaking into another house. And that's when we got caught. And uh, that's when I woke up and I was like, dude what are you doing? And, uh, yeah, so I, uh, I think, I think I talked a little bit about that and, and that's, um, maybe what gave in the, the idea about being an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, I think the thing that, that drew me to that story was when you were talking about just hanging out in abandoned houses, which, you know, the kids in Wormwood end up doing. That was kind of like... They weren't abandoned, though. Oh, well, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) That was the problem. You were just breaking into people's houses while they were home? Uh, No, they weren't home. (laughs) But yeah, that's kind of like the idea that I had was, you know, a bunch of kids just hanging out in an abandoned house. Chat. Yeah. Well, I feel like that really, I mean, that was one of the things that, that really immediately kind of pulled me into it too. I have, um, I, I, my stepson is 25 and he was 10 when, uh, I started dating my husband. And so we kind of went through some of those like, you know, teenage years of like, what on earth are you doing? You know, get better at it or whatever. Um, but it was interesting to me because I feel like one of the frustrations we had, which I mean, there's no way to fight. It's just natural, but how much the influence of their friends is, you know, like mm. in large part, yeah. if they're, if they, like you said, you know, if you've got somebody's older brother, you know, who's cooler and who's, you may be a more dominant personality sort of thing. And I know, you know, like his fortunes, my stepsons would kind of rise and fall based on who happened to be around at that time, you know, yeah. and there's just nothing you can do about it there. It's pointless to, to try and be like, well, you shall never hang out with that kid again, because then, it, you know. For one thing, it's with, too... That's what I did with my kids. Did you really? <laughs> did oh, yeah. it work? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it did, but it didn't because if they're going to get into that, they're going to do it. But um, I, just because of what I've been through and what I've seen some of my friends go through, you know, I've got my friends where, um, where I, I mean, I ultimately stopped like partying, like uh, uh, doing drugs and stuff like that by the time I was like 19 because I had started so young. Um, so, but I, a lot of the friends that I party with, some of them are, you know, responsible adults and stuff. Some of them are dead and some of them are in prison and some of them are just still really struggling, 
um, you know, they're, they're not happy with their job. If they even have one, um, you know, they're, they're moved on to other stuff, needles and whatnot. And so, um, I've seen them, I've got, a, I've got a couple friends in particular that the sole reason why they, uh, are so bad to this day is because 30 years ago, they decided to start hanging out with somebody they probably shouldn't, even when they're 20 years old. Which I mean, you can, yeah, you can't stop that. But when my kid is like twelve, I mean, I I, I just feel like it's a, you know, I, I'm not gonna if if there are red flags, you know, and I know that stuff's going on. The kids are unsupervised, and my my kid is ten years old, and he's and and his his friend is unsupervised, and they just let them do whatever. And I know the parents are big partiers and stuff. I am. There's no way in hell I'm gonna let my kid. Uh, go over there and hang out i mean that's kind of my you know that's my job is to put my foot down and say no you're not going to go over there and and i'm sorry but and we're talking about like new friends we're not talking about i know this has been your best friend for 10 years but now you can't go over there you know so just nipping Mm -hmm. that in the bud um but i mean it it did stop a lot of like early on stuff my um my oldest is um 34 and so you know she had her struggles but not when she was in her teens really so much and then my next youngest is 24 and he is all my kids are like nine and ten years apart so it feels like i've been raising kids for freaking ever <laughs> and my son nakota still lives at, at home and he's 15 and uh you know thankfully he got a really good set of friends and nobody is interested in any of that but i know how that goes you know it's like and even when i told my my middle child i was like listen a lot of your friends that you have right now you're all scared of drugs and you're all want nothing to do with it and stuff like that but some of these people are gonna you know go uh, down the wrong path and you're just gonna have to you know make wise decisions and and don't under don't overestimate yourself like don't you know the first time you say no there's going to be, you know, two dozen other times. Eventually, you're going to cave. And so, sure enough, he watched his friends, uh, you know, go down these paths. And some of them are in not good shape. But thankfully, my my son came out of it fairly unscathed. And he's, I couldn't be more proud of, you know, um, what he's doing now. But he was one of these, like, rave, grateful dead dudes that were into the psychedelics and, mm-hmm. and going into raves and stuff like that. And it was just a scene that I could... I watched him be just totally miserable with it and, and not happy with who he was or or um, the people that he was with. And I mean, at that point, there was, you know, not a lot that I could do. I mean, he was 18 or something. I mean, so it's sad, man. It's it's something that that it was like my biggest fear growing up because of all the hell that I went through with all of that stuff kind of watching myself be this really good straight laced kid and then practically overnight being somebody completely different and wondering um what what more i could have done with my life not not like i'm i I don't regret every decision i made um but sometimes i do have like this uh i don't know i have like this uh thing where why the hell am I talking about all this? We're supposed to be talking about other stuff, and I don't want to bore everybody with my. I regret 
drugs stories. <laughs> no, sorry, that's that's my fault. I uh, yeah, have fine. have have helped raise one, and now I have a an almost three year old boy. So I'm I'm kind you know, kind of in the same boat of like kind of looking down the the barrel of some of that stuff. But I mean, it is you know they have to make their own decisions, and it makes for great fiction. She said redirecting that to <laughs> but but yeah I mean I did just want to say I felt like that was that was really effective um and Tim is that I mean do, did you have any like experiences like that that kind of fed into that or um I didn't have anybody like influence me like uh, the only thing as that Chad was telling that story um Tim was the bad influence yeah I was just gonna say like I had <laughs> friends parents tell them that they couldn't hang out with me um even though like like me and my friends we didn't really get in anything bad but i mean we i guess like typical stuff like we smoked pot and um drank on occasion but um nothing too crazy we never got in any trouble never never got arrested or anything but um i did have a friend whose parents were pretty strict (laughs) and uh that he wasn't allowed to hang out with us but we used to like sneak him out of the house and um that was you you were the bad influence (laughs) yeah i guess but like we do like like we snuck him out of the house and then went to go play laser tag we didn't like go break into people's houses so like we were bad influences i guess but like we did things that were you know just normal teenage kid stuff so um but yeah, I, uh, I I didn't have anybody. I didn't have a cast in my life. That's for sure. I think that's a good thing. Yes, thankfully. <laughs> well, I feel like it's something. It, this is this is kind of a take on the on the coming of age um, thing that I hadn't you know seen done in quite this way too because it was really easy to um, it was really easy to identify with. Uh, you know, the de- the desire to just like to have these friends and, and find a place to belong and, you know, the way that things kind of build slowly um, on that. So I, I felt like the character building there and everything was was just really effective. Thank you. Yeah, thanks a lot. And, um, you know, kind of touching on that and just elements of uh, Wormwood in general, you know, um, I'm always curious to hear about collaborations like how you know different writers approach them like um we had michael david wilson and bob pastorella on for their collaboration and they had done it where they kind of like sometimes you'll get chapter trade-offs or you know someone will be like i'll handle these characters you handle those characters whereas with them they kind of just worked together on developing it. And then it wasn't any kind of set trade-off. They would just write a little bit. The other person would write a little bit and then they would go back through and kind of mesh it together. So I was just wondering how you guys approached it. If it was kind of like a trade-off thing or where like you guys just kind of fully integrated your approach throughout. Yeah, that was, uh, that was one of the things we discussed in great length prior to actually writing it because uh, if, you, if you're familiar with chad's uh fiction and mine like our voices are completely different like we have two mm-hmm. totally different styles so we figured like trading chapters wouldn't really work because it obviously would have been in a different voice and that might have been distracting to the reader so what we basically did was um we talked 
a lot about the story probably for like three months or so before we actually even started writing the first draft and uh so we had uh, like a basic outline um on paper and in our heads and then uh i went ahead and i'd write three chapters and then give it to chad and he would go through it and like basically edit it and put his own voice in there and change stuff around and fix it and and write it then give it back to me and i would read it and then i would continue from there write three chapters then hand it back to him and he would go through it and we just kind of did that um until we got like a really good good uh, solid first draft uh and then we just went back through it a couple times just to like you know fix things up and clean it up and change a few things so that way like our both of our voices were in there um and it wasn't very distracting because you know the story is mostly from one perspective it's all from from baker's perspective so um we just thought that would kind of make the most sense to do it that way yeah i i felt like that came across really well because like you said you guys have you know different voices and styles and when i read it you know it was it was pretty seamless you know considering that yeah it's weird like I, w- I was listening to somebody do like a, a book review on it the other day and they were actually reading sections from it and I couldn't like remember who wrote that or like who wrote what <laughs> yeah. like I, it, it could have been like either one of us. It, it might have been a, a section where like, you know, I had written most of it and then Chad went ahead and like just changed it and made it sound a lot better than how I wrote it, you know. So mm-hmm. um, it's funny, like I, I just I, I leaf through it sometimes and just like read passages from it and like i don't know if i wrote it or chad wrote it or if it's just you know because it all does like flow so seamless seamlessly yeah it is it is hard to tell i couldn't tell either i mean with the exception of you know bits or even just ideas like i there are some ideas that i know who came up with them Mm. like i i know which ones tim came up (laughs) with um more specifically i think but yeah but looking back at it and and looking at sections and, and um hearing someone quote it or something I think the reason why it worked, it was, it's kind of weird because it's like, yeah, if, if Tim sent me chapters and I would, if I went over them, it was almost like somebody saying, hey, check out this line. I got a cool line. And then I'd be like, cool. And then I'd make it my own, if that makes any sense. Like maybe word it differently. So it's like, it almost feels like part, part, um, I, no, that's not a very good example. I don't know, but it, I'm I'm just glad that it that it did work out to where it was seamless. Because initially, um, before I was like, yeah, let's write this together. I thought because I had done some other projects where people wanted to write a book together, and we'd started them, and it was like uh, maybe this might not work because mm. um, either we couldn't, either we were two alphas, or we were um, the voices weren't working. And when Tim wrote his, you know uh stuff uh i think he wrote like what essentially was some kind of like fast forward to the end that was going to be put at the beginning and then um i remember he wrote them and worked really hard on it and that i essentially rewrote it and sent it back and i was like dude i'm really sorry i don't (laughs) know if you're going to be able to find anything that you wrote even in these chapters now and so it was at that point I was like, listen, because if I was going to because initially he was like he was going to be like, go ahead and, and I'll, I'll write these chapters and you write the next chapters or whatever. And I realized if we do that, people are going to hate it, not mm. because one of us wrote better, but just because um, 
you were totally going to tell that it was like this back and forth thing. And so that's when I came up with the idea of doing, cause I have a friend, I have a couple of friends of mine who do that. They, they, they extensively outline. And then one of them does the full first draft and the other one does um, like rewrites and revisions. And so it helps it be more seamless. But I think that the reason why they do that more is because one of them hates first drafts and the other one hates to do rewrites and revisions. So we just did it to, to help it seem seamless. That's that is they found a really good uh, pairing up there because I'm thinking <laughs> <laughs> yeah. to, to be able to yeah. find the yin to their yang. That's uh, yep. <laughs> that's awesome. But yeah, I hadn't I had never uh, seen it done that way either but but yeah like rich I, I mean i feel like and that's what i've seen in the reviews too is that it's you know it's seamless it is you you would never know and so i feel like that's a really effective way to have done it and i think it's important too that if when you're doing it like that um i i think when you're doing it like that i think it's important to have an outline i, I normally don't outline at all but um it was essentially the only way we could do it is to have discussions, you know, Skype meetings or whatever, and talk kind of face to face about our different ideas and just bounce, you know, well, what if this happened? No, that sucks. What if this happened? No, that sucks. <laughs> what about this? Yeah, that's a good one. And then just, you know, flesh it out from there and then just change things as we go on along. Oh, well, let's kill this person at the end. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, no, let's not do that. You know, <laughs> once we get there and stuff. So, well, um, Tim, how was it working writing without any supernatural? Was it painful? Did you have to adjust? <laughs> uh, honestly, I, I kind of loved it. I mean, I I feel like I'm the type of writer who like always wants to try different things and you know not write the same kind of story over and over and over again. Um, it just so happens that every time I try to do that, like something supernatural <laughs> works its way into the plot. Um, so, like, it was really good that um, Chad was kind of there because, like, I tried, like, several times <laughs> throughout the story. Like, there would be uh, there was one scene specifically where, um, like, Baker not giving away any spoilers, but there's a scene where Baker's in the bathroom and he's kind of like having a um, like a like a daydream of Cass and she's like not her normal self and she's kind of like this uh, ghostly version of her. And uh, it was like this really cool like bathroom scene, and uh, I was like really excited about it. So I handed it off to Chad, and Chad's like, "We can't put this in there. It's too supernatural." <laughs> I'm like, oh, are you sure you don't want to put it in there?" I think when I put it, I think when I ran across it, I was like, I left in the note. I was like, "Um, what is this? <laughs> we need to talk about this." Uh, and I was so crushed. I was sad. Sorry, I, I cried for days. Um, no, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, it was it was fine because like like this and he, he was totally right because like it, it just didn't fit the whole um, like theme of the story. I think there was another scene, too, where there's like a, a ghost of um, another character <laughs> made its way in that got cut. Uh, but like they didn't fit like the story and, and it just didn't do anything for it. So um it was good that that Chad was kind of kind of there to, you know, nix those those things. So it worked. I think the I think the collaboration worked on on so many different levels. And I think that was yeah. 
that was one of the things was that we were able to kind of trust each other. And like, I totally trusted Chad and his, you know, judgment calls with, regarding that stuff. So. Yeah. Oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Rich. No, you, you can go ahead. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, like, it's kind of interesting because like you had said that, you know, you had the tendency to, you know, work with the supernatural and things like that. But, um, and like just the idea of collaborations in general, I can't remember which podcast it was. It might've been a couple of different ones. Um, I think that it was like one with an interview, um, with like Mark Duplass and another with an interview with like a comedian, Burt Kreischer. So like two kind of, different artists but they all kind of said that you know like when you kind of put certain limitations on yourself you know sometimes it can help you know bring out creative ideas that you might not have otherwise had yeah that is true i and i i think i have heard Duplass say that before or something yeah. along those lines yeah yeah, it was, it was a couple different ones. So, I, you know, that's kind of something that I found interesting about, you know, the collaborative process. And, you know, this goes out to both of you. You can start, Chad, if you want, and then uh, Tim. But, you know, just, the, you know, working in a collaboration, kind of having those set restrictions, did you guys kind of find that, you know, it helped? help do you maybe attack problems in kind of a different way or like the ideas in a different way? I mean, it's, you know, I get you, I guess you just, it goes back to giving credit to like two heads are better than one sometimes. Yeah. And so, um, if you had a good idea and your partner thought it was a good idea, then you, it was easy decision to keep it in there. If you were maybe on the fence, and you were kind of standing too close to see the story, and you weren't sure about something, and the other person was like, yeah, maybe not that, um, then that would be, you know, make for a better judgment call. Um, but uh, I, I kind of forgot the question. I started to answer it, and I think I <laughs> answered it, but I kind of forgot the question. No worries. Yeah, you kind of did. It was just kind of like, you know, the restrictions that you might have placed on the project, you know, like no supernatural, which I know is, you know, common for you. And maybe you had a couple other rules if that kind of helped, helped, uh, like enhance, I, I don't know the right word for it, but like not enhance the creativity, but maybe like just like blot out kind of. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I can't think of anything. I, I mean, it, you know, maybe for Tim, I think just for me, cause it, it's natural for me to not normal, unless it's a short story, I've written plenty of supernatural stuff like that, but usually in longer stuff, I tend to like to, um, get more people invested in something that legitimately could happen. Um, and I think that's because that's what I like so much because, Unless it's done really, really well, I do struggle with suspension of disbelief. And mm. so um, I think that's part of the reason. But yeah, Tim? Um, yeah, I can't think of like any restrictions that we placed on ourselves going into the project besides the, the non-supernatural. I think that definitely helped, though. Um, at least me. I It's hard for me to say, yeah, like it brought out 
creativity because I think like some of that stuff just comes out naturally as a writer. Um, I don't think you really think about that too much while you're writing it um, or even after the fact. But um, I will say one of the things that was different for me is that some of the scenes uh, were kind of written out of order. I think Chad touched on it a little bit earlier when um, one of the first things that we wrote is actually something that happens in like the third act of the story. And um, so <laughs> We had this word, we had this document, the shared uh, document that we uh, we had. And like at one point we had scenes like all over the place. And like me, when I write b- by myself, I typically write very linearly. So like I write starting from chapter one and I go to the end. I don't like jump around or skip or just write random scenes, which some writers do. And they're very good at it. It blows my mind how that's even possible because my brain just doesn't work that way. And so like when we had all these different scenes in the folder like at one point i'm like chad i'm like losing my fucking mind like i i <laughs> i'm stressing out like i don't know what's what where goes where and he's like don't worry man like we'll we'll put it all together at the end and it all makes sense and i'm like dude i i'm like stressing out about this i don't i don't know what's going on like <laughs> like there's just scenes all over the place it, it doesn't make sense and he's like dude don't worry about it it'll work out so like that was a little bit different for me and um it, he's right it it did work out and um i think it you know, reading reading it back once we kind of put it all together, um, yeah, it uh, it, it did work out. And maybe that was like a restriction or just something different that I'm not used to, um, that kind of worked out, I guess, in the end. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I recall a time where I realized that as far as a different type of restriction, like how dark are we going to get kind of thing. I remember when, you know, most everything was kind of mapped out, Mm. but there were some parts that weren't. And I remember Tim had sent me, um, without giving spoilers away, Tim had sent me a chapter uh, where uh, it takes place in the woods. (laughs) And I was like, holy okay we're gonna go that we're gonna go there <laughs> and i kind of paused and i was like all right you know i was like i had reservation i was like are we really gonna like with this kid you know yeah okay let's do it let's do it and then that kind of motivated me to do um kind of get a little um inappropriate with some of the i guess sexual content in there so Tim basically like lifted that bar and was like, this is where we're going, brother. And I was like, all right, let's do it. So. <laughs> Tim gave you all the NC-17 rating. Yeah. <laughs> Opened up the uh, the door for you, buddy. Yeah. And, th- you know, that's that's kind of cool that that's how it worked out. And, you know, that was one thing I was going to ask um, both you guys about was kind of like the darkness level, because, you know, there's elements of it that, you know, aren't as dark. But then there's some that are like really dark. And like, with again, without, you know, giving spoilers, there's like a couple key sequences throughout the book where, like, you're almost, like, a little nervous about, you know, like, how far that's going to go. And, like, I thought you guys did a good job of kind of balancing that and maybe, you know, hinting at something that, you know, is pretty extreme. But you didn't, you know, necessarily go there. And I, I feel like sometimes that's even more effective than, like, had you decided to, you know, go all in 
you know, like over the top on those things. And um, I was just curious, you know, is that something that you guys discussed or was it like you said, Chad, where you kind of he sent you something and you'd see where it went. You're like, okay, we can go about like maybe this extreme, but maybe we should hold back a little on this part. I do recall a time, Tim, you might, this might, uh, you might remember what I'm talking about, but I do remember a discussion we had where Tim wanted to do something. I think this happened a couple of times where Tim wanted to do something either early on or, overboard with something and i thought that if we stay subtle then these bigger things are going to hit harder you remember what that was tim i have no idea no no don't remember yeah i i i uh, i all i one thing i do remember is just i it was important for me anyway to have like this uh um uh gradual uh you know, perversion, if you want to call it that, or just this uh, dissension down this hole where each time Cass is around, things get uncomfortable um, and that it gets worse and worse and that each time you're not sure what to expect and that um, um, especially after the uh, humiliation scene um, that you really don't know, you know, what, what's going to happen. Yeah, and I, I think the um, it was important to me personally that it not be too like gratuitous because that really wasn't the point of doing that stuff. The point was yeah. to make make the reader feel like on edge and like like Rich, you touched on like uncertain, like you don't know what's gonna happen next. You don't know how far uh, this character is gonna gonna go. Um, so like the, like the graphic scenes um which i i mean after going back and looking at it like we could have obviously gotten a lot more graphic in the like the descriptions but like that wasn't really the purpose of it um it was the purpose of those scenes were were you know to put um the reader on edge and to really see how our main character baker is reacting to those rather than like the scenes themselves and we felt like that was a little bit more powerful than you know, just for shock value, you know, writing these like crazy, disgusting scenes that happen. Um, yeah, and you're totally right, Rich. Like that that makes it more impactful when I think you you kind of hint at things and you don't kind of show everything. But yeah, so in some cases, yeah, it's it just has a bigger effect on the overall story. I just remembered what it was, Tim. What was it? It was when we very first started and when we had something completely different, we had these kids killing like a house full of people, <laughs> like just butchering them. And then, um, and when, we, and, and I just, I, I remember we had a discussion about if we open with that, then it can't get worse. Mm-hmm. And that, then maybe we should build from there. Yeah. Something like that. But yeah, I that, that beginning is not, remember that. Yeah. Yeah. The build the, that beginning is there's nothing in the book that even resembles the old. No. Beginning. Yeah. Yeah, and that and that's pretty cool and kind of like with that gradual build like you guys were saying one things one thing that I thought was really cool 
And, you know, it's just it's just kind of like a little detail, but it was something for me that kind of played well with like the tone that you guys were talking about setting for the story is kind of like, you know, you had the little chapter headings and then you would have, you know, X amount of days and like mm. you don't really know what that means at first. But every time as you progress through the story, you know, you're seeing these events escalate and then you're seeing that like at the start of every chapter. So it kind of keeps that in your mind and you're like the whole time you're just like, well, what's going to happen You know, <laughs> when these days reach, you know, X number of days. Yeah. And like, was that something that you guys had planned out early on or is it just something that kind of developed like as you were writing the story? That was all, that was Tim's idea. Yeah. I think honestly, when I first started doing that, because like I said, we had written a scene that happens at like day zero first and i was just trying to go back and like kind of keep a like a tally on the days like counting them down um so that was really for me that wasn't really meant to be like it's a happy accident man yeah it, it really was like it was just kind of like for me writing the first draft like okay i have these many days like i have these many scenes to get to until we get to the thing that happens at the end um, and then, like, reading it back, we, we kind of noticed, like, wow, that kind of builds a little, like, it's an extra element to that story, and it builds a little bit more tension. And, and you're right, like, when once you, like, start realizing what's going on with the story and, like, where it's headed, like, it's like, holy shit, what's what's going down on day zero? And um, so we, we just kind of decided to keep it in there. But, yeah, that was kind of, like, accidental. Yeah, yeah that was a pretty cool touch, because, like... And I, you know, I was going to, I'm glad that like it was just laid out there because I remember, you know, one time I had noticed something similar like that with another book. Um, I think it was uh, the Jeremy Hepler book that he just released. And I was like, oh, you know, I noticed this like symbolism with the thing he did at the chapter headings. And he was like, no, that was just like, there's no significance to it. And I felt <laughs> so weird. <laughs> I remember listening to that interview. <laughs> yeah and i was like oh man i was like how do i back myself out of this uh, rich had been like keeping a little scorecard of how many crickets were yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. you were thinking too hard man That's yeah, yeah. <laughs> jeremy should have went with it yeah he said oh yeah nobody's caught that so far including, including <laughs> it's really his fault he, he dropped the ball on that <laughs> for the record he was uh he was very nice about it <laughs> Jeremy's very good yeah, and, he's and a good author I, I've read both of his books and they're very good same very talented dude I agree I agree very easy to talk to um well do you all want to talk any at all about how you decided to end up marketing this the way that you did because I, I thought you know the whole like the special edition through the nightworms was very cool um, and then it getting picked up by Silver Shamrock. So do y'all want to talk uh, some about how that came about? Yeah, that was, um, <laughs> it all happened so quickly. Um, I think like, uh, Chad, do you remember like, did did we just like tweet something or like we put something out there just like that we were working on something, right? Uh, and then, uh, so, yeah. and then I think CD contacted us like directly and she was like, oh, I'm really super excited for this. If, uh, you know, you want to send it my way um you know 
please feel free. And yeah, I, she kind of kept on us. This was like early on, and she said, "Yeah, she's like, what is this? What what I need to have this right now?" And and then like you know, she just kind of kept every once in a while she'd ask about it. Yeah, and so like when we were finally done with it, we um I think we sent it to her first, just as you know, because she was so interested about it. And we sent we it to her to write the forward. I think that came later. Did it? Okay. Yeah, I think so. I think like we just sent it to her just because you know she's she's been a huge supporter of both of our stuff for so long, oh, yeah. and um, yeah. we just sent it to her and she read it and she was like, hey, I uh, I absolutely love this. Um, how do you guys feel about maybe you know doing a Nightworms package for it? And uh, I'll partner with Thunderstorm, um, who Chad and I have both worked with Paul um, on a f- quite a few books. And uh, so she kind of got the ball rolling on that. And then from there, it just kind of happened so quickly. And I think later on, we had asked her, you know, once that was all settled, if she wanted to write the forward for it. And then, um, yeah, I think you're right. And then, like, we didn't we didn't know, like, what to do after the Nightworms package. I think we were kind of just like uh, we had a few different publishers in mind. And I think ultimately we just decided Silver Shamrock was probably the best place just because they were going to be able to get it out like right after the nightworms released and we had made the decision that marketing wise we thought it would be better to get it out like right after the nightworms box while it was still like kind of fresh in everybody else's head because i think the other publishers that we approached they were like oh we could do it but it won't be to like the end of 2021 Mm -hmm. so we didn't want to wait like a whole year and have like you know it just kind of everybody would have forgotten about it by then yeah it was a gamble because we weren't sure if that was a good idea it was like this is either going to work great uh <laughs> to put it out immediately after the nightworms thing or uh this is this is not going to work and yeah because they had like a record selling like like they sold more boxes than they had already sold so then i think chad and i were just kind of nervous like at that point we're like well shit is anybody is anybody left yeah how was uh, uh was that like i remember seeing that was it like 900 boxes or something like that yeah it's like yeah eight or 900 boxes something ridiculous I think we signed 900 at least 900 sheets Wow. My wrist, my wrist still hurts. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, because right after that, like literally, like right after that, um, she approached me about doing the the grindhouse box, which just came out like a couple days ago, and I have a book in that too. So I had to sign like another nine hundred sheets, like right on top of it. Oh man. <laughs> so. And then we thought that, and then we thought the hardcover, which oh, we were kind of do that, we were kind of kind of going to do the hardcover anyway with Paul because I had talked to him like early on just right when we started I was like hey I'm writing a book with Tim Meyer would you be interested in that and he's like yes send 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 it to me when you're done so we had that and then and then Sadie you know did this huge thing with the Nightworms and the paperback and just made it this you know set everything else up for us um like Tim was saying but then um uh we were worried about that the hardcover wasn't going to sell now because right. they just sold the 800 or 900 or whatever copies and then yeah the hardcover sold out i think it was 90 minutes yeah but it blows my mind how like how the I, whole thing i wouldn't pay 90 bucks for a book man <laughs> <laughs> there's some books i would pay 90 bucks for 
Maybe not that one, but there are some books out there. (laughs) (laughs) I never get, I'm, well, I guess I'm up early, but like, I always miss the thunderstorm ones because it's like, I guess around the time that it goes on sale is when my son gets up and then there's just no, you never get to complete a thought after that. Well, Paul doesn't really allow for like, he doesn't give you any room to like, um, say anything i remember yeah. uh my first one that i did with him he didn't tell me anything and then um i think it was the morning he's like okay it's up it's first it's for your the books for sale mm-hmm. and i was like oh crap so i i got on my um you know did my stuff my newsletter and all that and um and, and it was gone like that, <laughs> that that morning or that afternoon and uh i was i felt really bad because then people were because usually there are um there's a bookseller in the UK and there's a bookseller in the States, very, uh, legit, you know, legit booksellers that always buy everything that Paul puts out. Mm-hmm. They got hundred percent feedback on, on eBay and they're very legit and they always grab copies. And Paul had told me, you know, you got any friends that still want copies, then they can go on to, um, eBay after a while and get them, you know, in case they sell out. And I was like, okay, thanks. And then people were grabbing out in there for, you know, gouged prices, 120 bucks and stuff. And that made me feel like a uh, dick. To, to, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't even think I really shared it because I was like, it's like I agree with it, but I don't kind of thing. I don't know. Yeah, they're just resellers that, you know, just buy them up and, and sell them after market. But the, the part uh, I don't agree with is just having someone that is like a regular reader that didn't get up early enough. Yeah. And so then they, they got to fork over an extra 30 bucks or something and yeah. then shipping. And that makes me feel like a jerk. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, the, like the, I'm just so shocked that, that it sold out as fast as it did because like Chad said, like 900 copies and then it sell more on top of that. And then some people were buying both, which also blows my mind. Like they would buy the, they bought the Nightworms paperback, they bought the hardcover, and they also bought like the Silver Shamrock edition, which just like, it just blows my mind that people are like so into this book, which is great. I love it. I'm loving every minute of it, but yeah, we're really proud. We get more, more and more proud of the thing, like as the weeks go by, because, yeah. um, you know, you, Laurel, you probably have, have been through this, too, where you just like uh, you have, um, you know, the, the same stages. I think that um, most everyone goes through where you've got this fantastic idea and it's the best idea anyone's ever had. And then you start writing it and you're like or you say it out loud to somebody and you're like, what am I thinking? This is <laughs> and then you write it and then you're writing it and you're getting through your first draft and you're like this is i think i'm wasting my time and then you clean up the first draft real nice and you're like this is a masterpiece and then you re- and then you give it to a beta reader or you or you put it out or whatever and then at that point you're back to i think that i think this sucks um this isn't going to work what was i thinking you know and so um you know going through that with wormwood we were i i, I don't know about tim but i was never really at a point where i was like even even after, you know, I was longer than usual. I was at that point where I think it's good. I think that I'm proud of it. And then over the, you know, after people started reading and stuff, uh, yeah, every week we get more and more where it went from like, yeah, that's cool. And then and now it's like, hell yeah, that book is that book is awesome. <laughs> so. I think I remember you texting me like, 
the day that people were starting to get the Nightworms book, and you're like, are people going to like this? Are they going to hate it? Does it suck? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I, I, really, I don't know. Like, I don't know to say. Maybe yeah. they'll probably hate it. I don't know. Seems like I wasn't worried, and then I got uh, this. Yeah, now. now I'm kind of petrified, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, no, writing's we're, weird, we're, though. It's weird like that sometimes. Yeah, it is weird. Yeah. Well, and it's, I don't, it was funny because like with, like with Whispers in the Dark, of course, nobody knew me at all. And that took forever, you know, to get any kind of traction. And then like when Crossroads was announced, I was like, oh shit, people are going to pick this up like immediately. Oh shit. I wasn't expecting that. Then I was like, it might suck. I don't know. I have no, I don't know. So yeah, there's, there's definitely a lot of that, like. It's that self-doubt writerly thing that happens, I think, to to every writer. But yeah, it's it, it's impossible to tell if something's going to be good, and you can have all the confidence in the world. Well, some people, I guess, are overconfident. Yeah, um, and uh, they end up not selling their <laughs> their books very well. <laughs> they get a little too <laughs> on Twitter and stuff. But um, yeah, it is weird. But there have been moments where I the whole ride was kind of um, uh, not cocky, but just like confident, I guess. And um, when I wrote a Fostrums and flies, that was my first book. And I told my wife the premise and she just looked at me and she's like, you're going to write a whole book about the, about that <laughs> the, the spelling bee and stuff. Wow. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And she's like, um, I mean, and, and don't get me wrong. She is, I wouldn't be doing this. I wouldn't be able to do this without her. She's just such a huge, she's like a huge cheerleader for me. And, uh, and so uh, she's always in my corner. She always believes in me, but there have been times where like that time where she's like, okay. And so I was like, you watch, this is going to kick ass. And then, um, and then I, I think people like it. And then I just did it again recently. And I gave her a premise. I was like, oh my gosh, I've got to stop everything I'm doing right now and start this new book. Um, and I told her about it and she's like, really? And I was like, yeah, she's like, that's, first of all, that's way too gross and so sad. You can't do that. <laughs> I was like, no, I said, trust me, man, people are going to uh, love this. Plus it toys around with a little bit of cosmic stuff. Ooh, oh, nice. Yeah. That so awesome. So yeah, just going back and forth like that is is it it never ends. It's it's such a weird roller coaster. So with the cosmic stuff, what you're saying is I finally rubbed off on you after. Mission accomplished. If like now Tim's gonna switch, you know, and like Chad's gonna start getting all up on the supernatural. I'm just gonna write some really depressing YA shit <laughs> from now on. <laughs> I have to laugh when you talk about the pitches though too, because I swear to God, like it doesn't matter how good the idea is. I mean, it can be a book like that's been out forever and everybody fucking loves, but if you try and break it down to like, you know, to like to pitch it to someone. There's mm-hmm. no book that doesn't sound ridiculous. And <laughs> yeah. and it's like, yeah. so like when every time I've ever tried to like pitch anything, I'm like, I hate myself. I hate the person I'm talking to. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I hate that I'm doing any of this at all. I'm going to go back and, and uh, just read yeah. something about that process. <laughs> there's, uh, there's something about real simplistic 
synopses that really intrigue me. And um, I remember, I don't know if this book was ever even written, but probably five or six years ago, I was in a Facebook group page and somebody was talking about like, what's your next thing that you're writing? You know, what's your work in progress? What's it about or whatever? And somebody said, I, I can't verbatim, you know, uh, quote it, but somebody said something like, um, the book I'm writing on right now is about uh, a man who builds a beehive around himself. And I was like, oh, sold, man. Wow. That is, that <laughs> yeah. is so awesome. And then a, a friend of mine who has never read a or wrote a book, but he's written some short stories on Amazon and he had one on there and, and they're like short stories. They're not very long. They're short stories and you sell them for like three ninety nine. And I told him he was never going to to sell them like that for the, for that high or that, or if he did, people were going to realize how short it is, get pissed off and leave a bad review. But I was suckered into buying one of these because of the synopsis. It was something like an old man um, becomes uh, obsessed with a, a photograph of himself and it just something simple like that. I needed to know why, why and what happened. Like, why was he obsessed? And at to what point? Because, uh, and that's, I think that's why I write like simple, you know, real small cast of characters in the stuff that I do and try to keep the synopses simple and why my stuff is so short. Because I love that, um, that easy, easily pitched stuff where you're immediately asking questions. And there's nothing in the the pitch that says, um, you know, which we, we're forced to use sometimes, but certain keywords that are all like, you know, um, uh, will they make it out alive and what will <laughs> they do next? And will they, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. it, it's asking you questions within the synopsis and instead of giving you a quick statement, it's forcing you to ask your own questions and needing to know the answers. I feel attacked. hey i was forced to kind of to write something on the back of pale white for that and i'm sure we probably did that with wormwood too sometimes you got you you can't uh you got to it's necessary necessary evil to to write the cliche stuff yeah totally back we'll go we'll go with that <laughs> I'm I'm gonna make a note about that shit because I struggle so hard with synopses and like back cover copy like so bad. In fact, that was I have really loved working. I've loved everything about working with Off Limits, but I was totally shocked because Sam wrote my back cover. Oh, that's awesome! And I was like, what just happened? I didn't know. I thought I was gonna have to get really rich and pay someone to do that. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. That that was awesome because she did a good job, but. But I mean, Chad, I really like what you said there, that it's like it's something that's simple and immediately, you know, just ju- instead of asking you questions, makes you ask the question. Mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm going to write that down. It's like taking things out of context to where um, I, I the only reason why I'm bringing my own book up is because I can't think of it uh, because I'm horrible at remembering things. I can't remember. I can't believe I remembered the two examples that I gave, but like for a foster homes and flies or stirring the sheets, um, they're simple, like two statement things, um, stating things that are going on, you know, like giving the spoiler right up front with the foster homes and flies that the kid's mom is dead and he does nothing to report her death so that he can compete in the spelling bee. Makes no sense at all. And, um, it's just a, a simple and I, I think I do that because I'm so attracted. If I turn over a book and I see like the big synopsis on the back of it, um, 
I get kind of intimidated in, in uh, where it's like, first of all, it's like watching a trailer. I'd rather go in blind, not knowing anything about mm. it. And, and oftentimes not even knowing the genre that I'm watching. Um, so just having just enough to uh, like stuff that feels, yeah, like it's maybe almost taken out of context. And, um, but sometimes it, that's hard to do. And it's risky to do too, because, we live in a, a, a world where people like the familiar and they like the um, they know what they they want. So, I mean, look at the biggest sellers, you know, like romance. It's all been told over and over and over again. And the more unique idea that you come up with um, oftentimes doesn't get seen, but it's the ones that have kind of been told over again or retold that um, that you know feed the masses i mean when you look at the theaters and they're filled with marvel movies remakes uh sequels and star wars that will tell you right there that what kind of world we live in with our entertainment and what people want and what's really selling same with music too fortunately there's better books out there than there are uh (laughs) less popular books than there are you know like stuff that mallerman's doing and you know even Stephen king and and Yeah, they break the rules with that, but as far as film, um, it's different. It's it's got awful. Yeah, yeah, I I I definitely agree with some of that, especially like with the movies thing. Like, uh, you know, you'll they're obviously out there. I mean, both of you guys have podcasts where you kind of talk about things you've watched and discuss films. Oh yeah, wonderful. yeah, but like like you said, like, and they get attention, but like every time I see that, like, like there's some franchises out there where I think they're on like their second or third reboot, and it's like, why? Like, okay, one reboot, that's fine, but once you're like in the second or third, it gets a little bit ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, there are some that I give a pass. Like, I don't want them to ever stop making Friday the Thirteenth movies. <laughs> I will. Yeah. They, 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 they are um, exactly what they say they are, and I'm, I'm, you know, I stuff like that or Halloween, but yeah, um, you know, where you know what you're getting, you know, you're getting some silly, like TNA, and if you look at a boob, you're gonna die, and and you're gonna die <laughs> in a really cool way. Just and, one. Yeah. Just, just, just one. one. If you buy a two, if you look at two, yeah, you're really screwed. <laughs> I feel that way about Tremors franchise, honestly. Like, I feel like they could make those until the end of time. And, oh, same. Yeah. But And, like, I was surprised by that because I watched the first one, like, forever ago. And then I'm sure I didn't watch a sequel forever because I was like, whatever, a sequel to that. And then I watched maybe the fourth or fifth when I was like, why is this so good? Oh, it's Burt Gummer. And, Bert I mean, it's just Gummer. like, just to, I, I would watch until the end of the time, although the last one did upset me. I'm not sure where we're going from there. Yeah, I don't think there's going to be any more. But, I mean, I, I actually enjoyed the last one. I thought it was it was pretty good. Yeah, no, it was good. It was just the, um, I don't want to spoil anything, but, it, you know, the yeah. ending was, was perturbing. Mm-hmm. But it's Tremors, though, so they could, you know, retcon a lot of that stuff. Maybe. I'm kind of like, I'm sorry, go ahead. Laura. No, I was going to accidentally spoil it. I'm glad you stopped me. Please. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like that with Phantasm. I absolutely love the first one. And the other ones aren't that great. But it 
I can't. There's no other movie that's going to give me the tall man and the evil Jawas and all the not all the crazy in the the balls that fly around and stuff. So <laughs> I love it. And the, and they all suck. All the all of the sequels are not, not that great. I enjoy them though. <laughs> are you the uh, only course, one? Final guy? <laughs> of course. I know Hunter doesn't like Phantasm, and I don't understand that at all. Usually, has pretty good taste. He doesn't like the first one. No, he doesn't. There's something wrong with that guy then. I mean, there is something wrong with that guy. <laughs> yeah, there definitely is. It's, it's more than just not liking Phantasm. <laughs> I started watching, um, sort of related to Phantasm, uh, I started watching Beastmaster <laughs> last <laughs> night. I don't know why. It was just, uh, I think it was on Prime and I threw it on. It's, uh, you know, written, directed by the same guy who did Phantasm. So, yeah. Cascarelli. I haven't seen Beastmaster since probably 82 or 83. That's like when it came out, yeah. I wasn't even born yet, so. I just dated myself. (laughs) (laughs) That's all right. I was, uh, I haven't, I just am so jealous of all this, this like actual watching of movies because I feel like all I see is Disney and like eight minutes you know, of an exorcist movie <laughs> before like the kid comes home or something. Uh, but I, I did get to watch the first half of the mortuary collection. Oh, okay. Which Good one. I really liked. Um, yeah. There's some, there's some interesting visuals in that one. Plus not only are you yeah. stuck watching Disney, you're stuck watching probably the same two Disney but movies yeah. over and over. <laughs> oh God. It's so true. Oh, I, yeah. I got have- Disney. The Disney Plus, because I was like, well, maybe we can expand our horizon. We have a little bit, but mm-hmm. I just, I just want Elsa to choke on something. <laughs> I'm so... Oh man! When you have young kids like that, it's amazing that you can quote a movie and and see the movie without actually uh, ever watching, sitting down to watch the movie because your kids are watching uh, so much. I remember yeah. um, one of my kids. I think it was Nakota was uh, just always watch the iron giant. And there were some other ones too, where it's like, I can quote the film. I can know the songs and I can know everything about that movie. And I've never seen it. (laughs) Walking in and out of the room, you know, and it's being played for that 30th time. And it's like, why you've got, you know, 200 other movies. Why don't you want to watch something else? Yeah. Jack watches uh, Trolls nonstop, and I have, like, fucking nightmares of trolls coming to kill me <laughs> my sleep. Yeah. I will say the thing, the thing, kind of the reason I get into it, though, and I think the reason he watches the same ones over and over is because he performs. Uh-oh. He knows those words. He sings, and he doesn't just sing like that boy performs. And mm. so it's kind of like I do want to choke Elsa, but I am... I do like, you know, his singing over her and like the whole performance. So in those ways, like, honestly, I do like Moana and stuff like that. Um, I do get into it because he I mean, good Lord, I'm going to get that boy a stage until he changes his mind utterly and becomes an engineer in two years. You know, whatever. <laughs> That's awesome. Sorry, I got sidetracked. On yeah. to Disney. We were talking about horror. I went to Disney. Good Lord. It's all the same. Disney, Disney's. Have you ever Disney seen the? Uh, speaking of Disney and horror, have you guys ever seen um that movie? I oh, I'm gonna. I think it's called Escape from Tomorrowland or Escape no. from. Tomorrowland. Oh, it's, I know what you're talking about. Escape from which mountain? 
yeah, it's yeah, like which a, mountain is what I was thinking. No, it's is like it, a, a really weird um, movie that was actually shot in Disney illegally. Oh, um, yeah. It's 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 a really strange fucked up movie, but it's in black and white. Um, it was shot. It's basically about um, this family that goes to Disney World, um, although they kind of hide like I think all the the Disney um, land like stuff so they don't get sued. Um, mm-hmm. But it's basically like all the rides and like all the the people that work there are, like evil and they like end up trying to kill this family. And like the dad, it kind of goes like a little insane. It, it is the craziest movie, but it's like really fun to watch. I don't know if you ever get a chance to check it out, try to track it down. Okay. Yeah, what are you talking about? No, I had seen it, and I net, I had seen it. I think for at one point it was on like Shutter and Netflix. But it's funny when you mentioned that it started to sound interesting because I saw it. Like I read the synopsis and I was like, eh, but I never knew anyone that had seen it and like could vouch for it. So I looked it up on Just Watch and I mean, it's available for rent, but um, yeah, it's called Escape yeah, from Tomorrow. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's an interesting film. Um, I recommend it. Yeah. I would definitely check it out just for the fact, like you said, of how they filmed it to like, <laughs> yeah. to be able to film an entire <laughs> movie inside a theme park where they you know frown upon that is pretty impressive i I don't even know how they were able to like release it because i'm looking at it now and there are like there's a shot of the magic kingdom in the trailer um so like i don't (laughs) even know how like they they got around that and were able to release it legally unless like after they shot it they got permission there's a shot of epcot in there too so i don't know i don't know how they were they were able to to pull that off and and not get sued because I think like Disney is pretty litigious when it comes to stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know, but it's such a it's an interesting flick. If if nothing else, like you said, it's just cool how how it was it was shot. So. Mm-hmm. So. So. So yeah, we don't want to keep you guys too long. So um. You know, just real quick, um, kind of wrap it up. Um, do you guys have any plans to collaborate in the future? And is there anything that you guys would like to plug? Um, I'm never working with Chad again. Cause he's a big <laughs> <laughs> um, we've got like something that we can't really talk about that may or may not happen. So um, can't really say too much about that but there is a possible future collaboration thing coming at some point i don't know i can't talk about it <laughs> so uh um, so technically 50. technically we already collaborated on it yeah so moving right along um <laughs> i don't know when this is gonna this episode is actually gonna air but uh by the time it does uh paradise club should be out from grindhouse press uh it's a um it's basically a a slasher novel that takes place at a a resort um a tropical resort so that's cool and then i have a big novel coming out from silver shamrock in june called malignant summer which is like almost two hundred thousand words it's like the longest thing i've ever written um and i'm thing anyone's ever written no that's not 
<laughs> That's like a Stephen King novella. Come on, let's be serious. <laughs> um, yeah, so Malignant Summer comes out in, in June from Silver Shamrock. And uh, very excited. I think it's possibly one of the best things I've ever written. It's not great, man. Yeah, yeah, that's both of those two. That's awesome. You've got a you've got a an excellent year lined up here so far. Thank you. And uh, how about you, Chad? Um, I just released Blood Letter, which is the first in a kind of uh, mainstreamish um, vampire type thing. Um, it's written under a pseudonym, sort of. It's written under C.E. Lutsky, just to let people know that you're not going to be crying and you're not going to be or grossed out when you when you read this. This is a lot different. This is kind of like a, for a different readership. But a lot of my current readership seem to really be enjoying it, so that's nice. Um, as a matter of fact, I didn't even send it out to any reviewers. That's how... That's how confident I am. <laughs> I, 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 I was afraid of bad reviews. I was afraid that people were going to, you know, have some kind of bar set or have expectations. So that is now available. It came out a couple weeks ago, and it's a plan to have a whole series. I am writing a book with Jim Bowen <clears throat> called Trailer Park Coven, and it's as silly and ridiculous as it sounds, and I can't wait for that to be done. It's going to be like Caddy Wampus and Rattlesnake Kisses meets the Neon Owl. So there'll be humor and just nonsense and uh, shit hitting the fan, stuff like that. And then <laughs> nice. um, I'm just working on way too many projects all at once. And I, I'm trying to release a book ever, at least every other month this year, um, most of which will nice. be uh, self-published. And then um, I'm going to try to... To use another book to um, snag myself an agent. Nice. And, yeah. Awesome. Uh, Very cool. Well, that is an ambitious schedule, for sure. Um, one every other month. But yeah, that's. I mean, that's excellent. That's the world needs more Chad Lutsky. So. That is true. Yeah. They did. Mm-hmm. Thank you. <laughs> so yeah um thanks again for uh coming on guys it was a lot of fun you guys are welcome back anytime uh we really appreciate having you on and we're looking forward to all the projects that you guys mentioned and uh hopefully a future collaboration from you guys absolutely thanks man thank you for having yeah us. thanks for having us on and yeah. tell shane that we said hi i'm sorry that we yeah missed him. yeah he he wanted me to uh give his um apologies he was having a real rough time with his uh setup it happens man it happens. technology sucks yeah it does hate it <laughs> <laughs> well we'll let you get to bed tim i know right. you're probably falling over at this point yeah <laughs> I'm like half asleep <laughs> i'm just kidding you guys kept me up you guys were great yeah thanks tim and thanks again guys and uh you know, hope you enjoy your evening and hope we can have you guys on again soon. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, guys. You have a great night. Thanks. You too. too. Bye. Bye. Bye.